Jewish Latin Princess, episode 129, Doris Horenstein, best-selling author, educator, and motivational speaker. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. If you're new to the show, I'm so glad that you're here. You have a lot of episodes to catch up on and an incredible roster of amazing women to learn from. And for everyone else, welcome back. Everybody else who's been here since the early days of the show, welcome again. I told you that every week I would pick a podcast listener review on iTunes. So let's see what I found in the iTunes page and um, what I chose today. This review that I'm looking at right now, wow, on the iTunes page, there's 67 reviews right now. So this is a latest review. It's from Yaniv H23. And she says, always full of wisdom. And here she goes. That was the title. Here she goes. Yael is a delight to listen to and a pleasure to learn from. Thank you. She is kind and personable. You feel as if she knows you. Her guests are varied experts in their field and the conversation always flows with ease. Top rated podcast. Thank you, Yaniv H23, for that review. Be in touch with me via email, yael at jewishlatinprincess.com, and let me know that you are the Yaniv H23 who left the review, and I will send you the info on how to connect for our 20-minute call. I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I will keep picking reviews from the iTunes review section, and um, so that if you're enjoying this show, please let me know there on iTunes. And you can also win a 20 minute call where we talk about whatever you have on your mind that you think I can offer some perspective on. And speaking of perspective, I did something totally out of my comfort zone. And in order to offer some perspective on people's finances, I started a private Facebook group for women who want to learn more about personal finance from a Jewish perspective. Again, totally out of my comfort zone because I'm not much of a Facebook user. I don't know if you've noticed. I'm a little bit more on Instagram, but I felt like Facebook was a good place to have a little bit of privacy and a private community where we could normalize conversations and learn together and be open and talk more openly about our money and grow in that area. And so it's called Jewish Money Matters, which is the same name that I gave my column on Chabad.org. And I invite anyone, anyone, any of you, my dear listeners who is interested in the topic of money, and I saw in the survey that is something really high, like 72% of you, I want to say, to come join me there. So Jewish Money Matters on Facebook. It's a private Facebook group, but you could find it. It's visible to anyone, um, but it's private to us. So you will just request to join and you will be added. So I look forward to having you in the conversation and in the growth experience. Now, today's conversation is really also all about growth. I have the wonderful Doris Horenstein on the show. Doris is known as the relationship anchor because she uses Jewish wisdom, the knowledge of the Hebrew language, and personal stories to cultivate um, positive messages and inspire others, Jews and non-Jews, to live an enjoyable, more grounded and focused life. And she will teach us all about that today. Doris is an educator, a professional speaker, and the author of the award-winning book, Moments of the Heart, Four Relationships Everyone Should Have to Live Wholeheartedly. Today, we dive into these four relationships, not in a theoretical way, but as you will see, Doris really brings herself into the conversation and brings it all to life. She's able to share life experiences and lessons to solidify our understanding of what it takes to nurture these relationships and why it's so important. So I encourage you to listen carefully to her lessons as well as the journey that has taken her to this newer stage of her life as an educator, from educator impacting just a few students and families in Portland, Oregon, to a woman who now deems the world as her classroom. 
Here's the super dynamic and fun Doris Hornstein. Doris Horenstein, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. How are you? I'm doing magnificent. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. I, 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 I'm scared that we're going to run out of time because we're going to have so much to talk about. <laughs> I want to brag a little bit about you. First of all, congratulations on the new book, Moments of the Heart, Four Relationships Everyone Should Have to Live Wholeheartedly. What an incredible title. That is beautiful. And not only congratulations on the book, but everything else that the book has brought about, um, which we're going to get right into. Um, and we connected through this beautiful online world of podcasting and of all the virtual things that are going on. So thank you, pandemic, right? There's a lot of blessings that come from this pandemic. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> when I saw your podcast, I said, I got to meet you. You were so terrific and inspiring. And I felt your goodness. And I said, you know what? I'm going to reach out to you. And it worked out because we totally connected. We had just a listeners know we had an already like a one hour hard had hard virtual coffee, we had the best time. So I want to get us started with these four relationships. This is like your part, your message that you've developed. It's Doris's message. There are four relationships that you believe everyone and we're talking Jews, non Jews, every single human being you believe strongly that we should all have these relationships, we should all nurture them, develop them. Tell us what these relationships are. What is it all about? Okay, so there are four relationships. And I want you to imagine a ship. Okay, mm -hmm. just imagine a big ship, because the word relationship, as I say, it, it's how do you relate? to your ship. So in order to have that, I want you to have a visual image of a big okay. ship. Okay, okay. I'm a visual person. I like visual that. Person. Mm -hmm. Yes. So on the bottom of the ship is what we cannot see, right? It's the very bottom is where the engine is. <laughs> my, brain, my brain went to Noah's Ark. <laughs> the garbage yes, is in the bottom. Yes. <laughs> you can go there. You can go there. Okay, so let's stick bottom. to the relationship ship. Okay. Yes. But even Noah's Ark is fine. It's, it's, it's the bottom that nobody sees. There's okay. no windows. There's nothing. Okay. okay. The basic relationship, the bottom, the mm -hmm. foundation of this ship is the relationship we have with ourselves. That's, That's the what first I thought. Level. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nobody sees it. Right. It's you seeing it yourself, mm -hmm. right? No, nobody's entering that space. Mm -hmm. As you go higher to the next level is the relationship with other people. Mm -hmm. It's maybe some small windows. It's the connection with your family member, with your spouse, with your children, with the person in the street, with the with a cashier at the bank, with a salesperson at the grocery store, okay. right? with the community, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the third level. Mm -hmm. And when the third level is you are starting to see the ocean, right? It's not yet on uh, the top top, but you're uh, starting to see the ocean. And you're seeing that it's vast and it's endless. And that's the relationship with the creator. Wow. For me, the relationship with God, other people, because I talk a lot to non, um, either not Jewish or not uh, religious people. Right. So then it's the source, it's the creator, it's the power, it's maybe even nature. It's anything that is outside of our control. Mm -hmm. So that's the third level is the relationship with that source. And that's why the, the vision of the endless water, you mm -hmm. can't see the end of it, right? You can't see it's this idea of faith. That's where on this level. And then when you go to the very top of the boat, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise, yeah. but I was on a cruise, right? So the top level is where you see 360 degrees all around. Right. Big windows and you look around and... To me, that is the relationship that we have to what happens to us in our lives and how it defines us as human beings. So having children, m getting married, death, hmm. in them, uh, divorce, all these things or any event that somehow made an impact on you for good or bad, right? Whatever made this impact on you and how you grew because the way I see it is that my life is not the same as your life. Right. It's not the same as other people's life. Everybody is in some ways a product of what happened to them in their life mm -hmm. and how they relate to it. It could be good things. It could be also trauma. Right. Not so good 
things. Right. right? All those external circumstances that are beyond our control. Exactly. Exactly. Beyond our control. And then what is the wisdom Mm -hmm. that we can glean out of that in order to have the whole heart heartedly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if if something happens to us and it doesn't change us or defines us or help us learn from a lesson, right. then what good is it, right? right? So, so that is the fourth level, and I think it's like an incredible understanding of life. And of course, the older we get, the more vision we have of what happened to us in our past, mm-hmm. the more we can reflect back. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Wisdom does come in many cases with age, right? Why? Definitely. Because we have the ability to look back and to say, ah, that's why that happened. So in the ideal world, we should be nurturing these four relationships constantly. We constantly. should be investing time and energy into these things. So how does one, if you could, if we could get a little bit more granular on how does one do that? And we could start from the bottom of the ship. Um, what are the best ways that you recommend that we actually nurture each one of these levels? And I'm sure there's a lot here, but... Lots, lots here. Okay, so the first level is the relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the basic. Do you love yourself? Mm-hmm. Do you appreciate yourself? Mm-hmm. Do you value who you are? Right. You know, so to me, that is the first step. And I'm not talking about loving yourself in a narcissistic way. Of right? course not. I'm talking mm-hmm. about loving yourself in a deep fashion. Right. In something that says, I, I am worthy, right? I am the Aleph. I am the first letter. I'm the Aleph in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, what does Aleph mean? Aloof, champion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When are you the champion in your own life? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do a lot of Hebrew and, and English and understanding the connection between the Hebrew roots and the I- intended meaning, right? So the Aleph is the letter that appears in all the first pronoun. Yes. Ani, ata, anachnu, at, right? So where is the Aleph? in you. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about the Aleph, I talk about how it is built out. You know, first of all, it's in the word Adam, mm-hmm. right? Which is, means mm-hmm. a human being, but it also is the first human, right? Mm-hmm. Adam. And so I talk about how Adam is a combination of Ah and Dam. And the Ah is the spirit on the in the human being. And the Dam is the physicality, is the blood, Right? Right. Because it means blood. So any Adam, you, me, any human being, regardless of religion, um, gender, uh, culture, anything, we are all a human being. We're all Adam. We're born and we're made up together with the sum of the physical and the spiritual. Right. So the first step is the spiritual of it, right? Mm-hmm. Where are you spiritually? Right, right. And it's so beautiful because the Aleph in our tradition is also the, the, the connection with the ultimate Aleph, God. So that That's spark right. of divinity that is our real essence, who we really are. And therefore, the reason we should love and appreciate and find our inner worth, because that is our inner worth, right? That infinity, uh, that piece of divinity. Absolutely. So absolutely. beautiful. I say, I say the Aleph, is the spirit of God in each and every one of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know what? You said something so beautiful before that reminded me we have this beautiful principle in in, in Judaism that I'm sure our listeners are familiar with, but it's worth mentioning. And it's always important to understand that when we talk about loving our neighbor like yourself, you first need to love yourself. And again, like you're saying, it's not about an arrogance. It's not, it's about that basic self-love that basic intrinsic worth and appreciation for your divinity that allows you to love the other absolutely you could not be more right when i talk about love as i as i make it applicable to the second relationship i talk about love as giving mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. because love is giving right and it Ahava. is in hebrew right it, it, it's in hebrew aleph gives to bet, mm-hmm. aha, Aleph gives to bet, you know that. What is it? It's about giving, but it's also about receiving because there is always, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. And you may not get it from the same person that you've given it to, mm-hmm. but it's a circle. You oh, that's a wonderful give. point. Yes. You always give and you always get. So, but the first one is absolutely loving yourself. One of the activities that I do that I think is powerful is looking at a picture of yourself mm-hmm. when you are two years old or three years old. Mm-hmm. And you really look at it and you have an intentional words and you look at the eyes of that two-year-old 
And there is no way that you cannot, with, sometimes for some people is with practice, develop this empathy and unconditional love yes. to that child. Mm-hmm. So that child is, is you, is yeah. inside you, right? But with, as we grow older, we get to have more of layers built mm-hmm. on us. And some of us go through trauma. Right. I have coached several people that have gone through trauma. So for them to go into that place of loving themselves is, is really hard. Mm-hmm. And so by, by investing and exploring and devoting more time into empathizing with yourself, right. you actually can grow into loving yourself. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, you just reminded me I was... Um I'm part of this um, circle with Dr. Asi Yankovic. I should actually connect you both. But anyway, the point being that one of the exercises that she had us do was to find a picture of ourselves, just like you mentioned, and to put it in a frame on your desk. It was a day when we were talking about self-compassion and self-love. And I thought it was so powerful because, yeah, why should I not look at, you know, my child me as a child with all my aspirations and all my dreams and all my just worthiness you know absolutely absolutely do you write right for your sake the world was created so if we keep that in mind and again not in an arrogance way right. but in a true appreciation of who you are the champion that you are in this mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. what a beautiful thing is that to do fantastic you know, so, yeah, so, I mean, the first time I did that, this activity for myself, I actually cried. Right. It was so beautiful. And not because I had a bad childhood, the opposite, I had the most beautiful childhood, but still connecting to that innocence. Yes, yes, very, very powerful. So I could already see how this is then trickling to our relationship to others. So take us there now with how do we nurture that? What are some of the tips you can give us there? Okay, so the, re- the second relationship is all about connection. Mm-hmm. It's all about being able to connect with other people. And, and since I've mentioned the Hebrew beautiful emphasis and, and really highlighting this, so the word to connect is lechaber, right? Mm-hmm. Lechaber, to connect. Mm-hmm. The word friend is chaver. Ah, yes. Right? So we are con- when we are connecting, we become friends. When we become friends, we start to care about each other's mm-hmm. opinions, views. We don't look at you at each other as enemies, but there is some kind of level of connection. And in my life, I remember having a situation with somebody whom I just didn't get along. And I mm-hmm. remember that. You know, what should I do? How will I get along with these people? I, used, I worked with that person. Mm-hmm. And I remember me being extremely miserable of not being able to have a relationship with this person. And I remember vividly that one day I made myself a a promise. I said, Doris, you got to find ways of connecting with this individual because you're not connecting. And I went into the office that following Monday morning and I said, how about if we will go for coffee once a week to just bond, not to talk about work, not to talk about, just to connect. And we began to do that. And within four times, I start feeling that I'm liking this person. Mm-hmm. And I felt that he was valuing me as, 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 an, as an educator, as a friend. And I'm today, and that's years ago, but today he says, I am the sister he never had. Mm. So from a relationship that started rocky, rocky, very rocky, I learned to bring myself into connecting with this individual and finding so many common grounds that we did not know we had. Right. So for that to happen, and when, when we talk about tips, one of the really most basic important tips that I think of connecting with one another is genuine listening. Mm-hmm. I think we miss that. Yeah. And I say genuine listening and not regular listening because genuine listening for me is when I listen to what you say without thinking in my head and preparing, what should I answer back? Mm-hmm. There is no answering back. I just want to hear you from an empathetic ears. Mm-hmm. I just want to absorb what you are saying to me. Mm-hmm. And not putting my ego, it's like, oh, what should I answer that? Oh, that's a good one. What should I respond back? Especially in the middle of an argument, right? Especially. <laughs> <Is that> you, <laughs> right? When you're thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to say because, gosh, I am so right, right. and I'm going to say that. No, listen 
Listen to what is not even being said. Listen to the body language. Listen to the plea that is underneath the words. Right? Listen to the plea. And then your heart opens. Yeah. So really what, what, what I'm hearing from what you're saying, and correct me, and see if you agree with me, correct me, but I'm hearing that the key, the, one of the keys, or perhaps it is the key to this level of developing the relationship with others is humility, is the humility to know that I can learn from others. I should approach relationships with that willingness and openness to receive from the other, to step aside from me and receive and enrich. Because from the example that you gave me, that's exactly what I saw. You were open to saying, I, I, I don't have such great feelings. I'm, we're not getting along, but I'm open to seeing what this person is really all about. What can I learn from this person? What, let me receive from them, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, right? Who is the wise one? Alomed Mikol Adam, the one who learns from every person, right? So a level of wisdom is absolutely humility, knowing that there's always something that you can learn from other people. Right. And giving them that space, right? And you're absolutely right. So often we take so much space and that hinders our ability to develop relationships with others. That's right. So, so, you know, in the relationship, in the third relationship, which trickles into all of it, right. but is the idea of Tsum, right? The idea yeah. of retraction a little bit. So, right, just like God retracted to allow us to come to the world, mm-hmm. sometimes we, and especially leadership, right, while we lead and we know the way, sometimes it's, it's good to retract back to allow other people to, to rise, right. to rise up. You know, even if it's your children, if it's your spouse, if it's your class, if it's the people who are taking a course from you, mm-hmm, right? It, right. it's always, it's like you teach, but then you step back a little bit. How can right. you come we'll in? See. How can, right. what is your place? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's, 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 it's just like a beautiful, so that's the really, um, the second relationship. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things inside of it that I teach in my, in my master class. And then the third level is the relationship with the creator. Now mm-hmm. for me, for me, it is easy, right? Because I believe in God. You've had a relationship I, all your I've, life, basically. All my life. All my life. I Very fond memories of going to synagogue. Very fond memories of my dad being a chazan in a synagogue mm-hmm. in, in Kfar Saba. In, in, and how Yom Kippur, you know, him being gone for over 24 hours practically and coming home with his... Uh, flip-flop plastic shoes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember that coming. And then, and then I remember Neila, and which, by the way, until today, Neila is one of my most special times right. in my spiritual life. But anyway, when he comes, when when he's done, and he comes down from the duhan, and people come in the Sephardic communities and they kiss the his his hand, they kiss his hand in this reverence. You know, that to me, that idea of of being so connected with Hashem. That is, I think, is the most beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So, but I do realize, as I wrote my book, that I know some people don't have that in their hearts. Mm-hmm. So I talk about faith in the unknown. I talk about faith as in a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't know. You know, I give an example. So many times we say to our friends, okay, I'll see you tomorrow after five at this restaurant. We'll... How do you know that tomorrow will come? Right. You have no idea that tomorrow will come. You know, I mean, it did come all these years, but maybe it will not come. That belief that tomorrow will happen in the way that we envision it, that's the idea of faith. Mm-hmm. It's something that you cannot put your finger on necessarily, but you know nonetheless that it exists. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the faith in God. Right. And, and <laughs> with all of what happened to us over the last three months, I keep on returning to that stronghold of belief in God, Mm -hmm. knowing that from everything in life, we learn something. And we learn even from things that are not good in our lives. And this time has been extremely challenging to so many people, right? But what are the things that we can still nonetheless learn? What are the goodness that we can still glean from bad things that happen? And and, and for me, that, that belief in God is one of the strongholds in my personal life especially this time but all the time yeah and i think it's interesting like you said i think this time 
you know, so many challenges. And at the same time, I think it's woken up this awareness by everybody, regardless of religious background and, and observance and beautiful memories or, or a relationship that was more, much more developed since childhood. I think everybody's awareness of something greater than themselves, something that, that has more control than we have, for sure. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We don't know who, no. who could have predicted that, right? Right, right, we right. We couldn't. And who predicted that? You know, there's going to be all this demonstration and all this right at the heels of this pandemic. Actually, mm-hmm. not in the heels, but it's wow, wow. Right. Know. So, so like you said, for some, for you and I, perhaps we take for granted almost the relationship. Not that we should. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. important not to take it for granted. Yeah. But it almost comes as a given. And like you said, you recognize that not everybody has had that experience of nurturing yeah. that. Some. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that you see help all of us at any level really cultivate? This? because I could see let's just come from the approach of somebody who might be listening who's like but I don't I don't have a relationship with something greater than myself I don't even know how to begin so I would say that, that by the way that is a fabulous question <laughs> I have this question all the time this is a beautiful question one of the things I say I say don't think of the word faith or God mm-hmm. which you would think of the word trust I want you to think of the word trust in Hebrew Trust is, is and the, the word trust and the word insurance or to insure share the same value, mm-hmm. right? Live toach. What are the things that you trust in that you don't see? What are they? Uh-huh. What, what are the things that you trust? You know, where do you gain your trust? And since I always talk about four relationships, I said, first of all, let's talk about trusting ourselves. And then we go to trusting others. Mm -hmm. And then we go to trusting that which we don't see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How is that happening? And letting them come to terms with that concept. Right. That's that's something that is hard and it doesn't happen within overnight. Right. No. It's it's conversation. It's more reading. It's more stories, uh, maybe even biblical stories. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean. Think of biblical stories that required trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we just read, you know, recently in the Torah about crossing the Sea of Reeds. Right. right. Nachshon, the first one, had the trust. The Bnei Israel, the rest of us, had to go in right. not knowing what will happen. Right. right. And then later on, they lost that kind of trust in God, mm-hmm. right? The, you know, where is the Avatichim and the Kishuim and the, you know, you know, where are the watermelon and <laughs> I the Kimis? And we had that all in Egypt. And I'm thinking, really? We laugh uh, at them now, right? But right? hey, we but did so, that. <laughs> yes, but it's like, it's like, where is? And and I think Rabbi Sachs, I remember reading his, his words and he said, they forgot to trust. They forgot to trust. And God was, you know, wanting to show them. It's like, trust me. And what is so telling, I'm glad you're bringing this up, is that is that that is precisely the reminder that this is something that we work on every single day. It's not just happens naturally. It doesn't happen naturally to anybody. To anybody. (laughs) Trust is something that you build, you know, it's over time. And that trust is the basis Mm -hmm. of hope, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you trust something, you hope that it will be better. Right. right. It doesn't mean that you accept it sometimes the way it is, right? You always want to improve. You always want to have hope. And when you have hope, that means you have faith. Mm-hmm. You know, you have faith that something will happen. If you didn't have faith, you would be hopeless. Right. It's like, can change, can do it. So really, to be hopeful person, you have to be a trusting person. Mm-hmm. You have to have somebody you have faith in something that could be better. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that would lead us to that place. Right, right. So it's like it's beautiful idea of, of just conversing and saying to yourself, where do I find hope in life? Mm-hmm. What are the things that give me hope? How can I be hopeful to other people? Mm-hmm. How can I help them find that hope? Beautiful. And, and when you think, you know, the, the Jewish national anthem is the hope. Hatikva, mm-hmm. right? It, so to me, that means it's embedded in our DNA Yeah, to be hopeful people. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, this is fantastic. And I'm even thinking, because you mentioned something about thinking about the, the different, um, 
you, things that you trust, like trusting yourself, trusting other people and all that. And, and I'm wondering also if part of this has to be looking at your own life story and seeing how things have worked out in your lives in certain ways. And that's also a way of building this relationship with something greater that's allowed this to flow in that sense. So even your own personal story is full of this. Even even the negative part of our mm-hmm, stories, mm-hmm. right? Even the negative part is when you come to the realization that what happened may be a fork in the road to lead you to yet a new place, mm. a better place, right? Is that understanding? So when when bad things happen, I always suggest to go to that place, revisit that place have discussion and a closure to that place mm-hmm. because that will be your jumping stone to to the next piece of your life right if you always think okay this was bad i'm not going to ever think about that it will always chase you yeah right? mm-hmm. you know freedom to have the freedom to do what we need to do we have to search for it that's why the word freedom and the word search share the same hebrew root right hofesh and lechapes, mm-hmm. the same root. A freedom doesn't just happen. And and nowadays, how more mm-hmm. crucial that concept <laughs> is, right. right? You know, you, you, we have to search for freedom. We have to look for freedom. It doesn't just happen. It, it's a, it's our daily activity, personal, on a personal level, mm-hmm. but also on a global level. Right? And we have to be dedicated to that cause. I think one of the biggest things as a Jewish people is freedom right left out of egypt you know getting into the land of israel uh, being a free nation Mm -hmm. so but it didn't happen just because we we worked toward it we searched it we we digged to find that Mm -hmm. yeah and and it's i think it's it's constant work it's constant work okay so then we get to the 360 view Wow, that which we've already kind of touched alluded on because we're saying we have part of the journey is finding that meaning and that purpose in every single thing that happens in life. Um, Let's go there. I mean, because this is huge for people. This is is the stories, you know, when you when you close your eyes, what are if you had to think of two, three, four events in your life? Mm hmm that that solidify who you are Hmm. right for me there's so many because you know i wrote the book so i had to like literally relive those moments (laughs) (laughs) and since then whenever i talk you know it it relives it again but when i was in the israeli army i was an officer in the israeli army to me that event which is two and a half years solidify who i am who i were to become mm-hmm. um i remember my my officer training and i remember how they chose who continued to be an officer and who is being dropped out of the course why did they do it and well you know you you get to have at the beginning 60 and that was 1984 mm-hmm. so you have 60 women mm-hmm. all wanting to be officers in the israeli army and they tell you first week that only 20 will remain at the very end. Wow. They tell you that six, you know, from 60, you're going to get 20. Mm-hmm. And I remember us really working really hard, all the soldiers working really hard. And they said, and it was a three months course. And they said, within the first month, we're going to let go of 20. And second month, we let go of the other 20. And we just exert ourselves to know new places we did not know we were capable. And mm-hmm. after the first month, they, the officers in training, uh, selected the next 40 who will remain. And I was in that 40. And then they said, okay, in the next month, 20 more are gone. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I should have done. You know, that Mac is like, okay, what could I do more to make sure that I am part of the 20? Because mm-hmm. I wanted to be an officer. I wanted to be in leadership. All my life, I was a leader in youth scouts mm-hmm. and all this. It's like, I love that. So... At the end of the second month, when we gave everything that we had, and I remember us coming into a room, and the officers in training tell us, 
now you, each and every one of you, 40 women, Mm -hmm. you're going to make a list of five women who you think should not continue in the course. Oh my gosh, how does one do that? These are your sisters. These are the people you've been living with for three months. Can you imagine that it was, they gave us an an overnight decision and we had to come up with this note with five women who we believe could could not be the final 20. Let me tell you that night, Everybody was talking to everybody. Every, you know, people are trying to make last-minute friendships. People, women are trying to get <laughs> last-minute. You know, you know, like m- meetings. Please, you know, I-, I love you. I, I really think you should be here. And I, at that moment, I the, the re- opposite that, of developing relationships wholeheartedly. <laughs> oh my god, it was so difficult. But at that, I remember that night. I sat with myself. And growing up in the traditional household I grew up in, I remember the, the Midrash from, from Tanhoma Vayakel, mm-hmm. where I wrote in my book, where it says that a, a person is given three names. The name their parents give them, the name people give them, and the name they give to themselves. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself at that moment, I, you know, my parents' name that they gave me, it's good, but here in this, in this environment, it's not going to make a difference, you know. Mm-hmm. What other people tell about me, yes, maybe that is a little bit more value, but still not. It's what, in the last two months, what name did I give to myself? You know, what what did I do? And that does not build within one night. Right. That built over time. And I said to myself, Doris, go with your gut on the name people gave themselves for two months. Mm -hmm. You know it. And I had to write this down, which was very difficult. Because it's not like they were bad people. I thought, could they be the 20? It wasn't who is bad, but who should be in the 20? And I'm doing this all along, not knowing if I'm going to be one of the 20. Right. Somebody else could think, well, Doris is no good. Right. 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 And no good in the sense of being an officer. Right. Great human being. Great human being. But can she be an officer in the Israeli army? And... It was a sleepless night, I must tell you. It was like one of those nights that stick in my head when we talk about events that happen, definitely an event in my life. And the next day, we got together and we had to give our notes and the officers took those notes and went and did their own, you know, table of, mm-hmm. you know, who is how many people voted this one out and this one out and this one out. And they came with the final 20 to stay. And I was... Uh, I, I blessed the stars that I was one of the last 20 to stay. Wow. But, but it taught me a lot about how you come to a person. How do you portray yourself as a human being? So it, it is in my level four, but it trickles to level one and mm-hmm. level two. Right? It trickles all of it. You know, how do we change ourselves? So, so let's ask ourselves, what are the events that happened to us in our life that made us who we right, are? Right, right, right. I grew up in a in a pretty poor family, full of love, but not as much money. You know, five siblings, all of us, sharing four sisters and a brother, four sisters sharing one room, mm-hmm. speaking into the night, talking about this and that. You know, that kind of family I grew up. I love that family, but it is an event in time in my life that I gleaned lessons right. about what is the importance of money. Mm-hmm. You know, what can we do with money? Mm-hmm. Can money replace something else? Can things are never be replaced by money? Right. All these back and forth. And I think it helped me solidify who I am as a person, as an educator, as somebody who's coming out to people trying to inspire them to be the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom telling me this, um, you know, I don't know. In my household growing up, <laughs> my parents used to walk around the house and, and say phrases from, from the Talmud. Really? From, it's like rolling out of their tongues. Pirkei Avot all the time. You know? It's like, you know, my mother was always, especially when I was in high school, my mother was like, Al shema One of my mothers, uh, says, in other words, don't procrastinate. That was the bottom line meaning. It's like, Doris, if you have something to do, do it now. G- do it now. Get on it. Do it now. But instead of saying that like this, she would go around the house and just phrasing Bible. Wow. To me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 
know, the, you know, way before I went to synagogue and understood really the meaning of prayers, my mother used to say the Shema all the time. When she was happy, when she was shocked, when she, it, it, this was phrases. It's just like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, when 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 one of our siblings were fighting with another sibling, my mother was like, "Alta model damrecha," you know. <laughs> you know, don't stand idly by your brother's blood, right? It's like, oh, your God. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That that's what formed that's me. That's you. That's what formed me. Right. You know. Right. So, so you look back at it and you say to yourself. You know, that was good. The, the, the things that were challenging, I learned from. And the things that were good, my God, I want to, I want to, as we say, to treasure it in my heart, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, forever. Mm-hmm. And then to impart it onto other people. And, and what's so beautiful, it's like a cycle, because see, it's going back to the you, to the loving of ourself. Those things that make me me, this is just all of it has been a blessing in some way or others shaped me. Again, that appreciation for myself. Um, everything included. So beautiful. Now, so now that we're talking about with things that made Doris, 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 how did you come up with this framework, with this idea for the book? What was the birth of that? Well, my, uh, you know, I never thought I will write a book. <laughs> okay, this wasn't on the plan. <laughs> this was not on the plan, which only goes to show you man plans and God laughs. Mm-hmm. I've been an educator since I came to America in 1986. Uh, I got my degree in education and I thought, okay, I'm going to, I thought originally I'll go back to Israel and I'll teach in Israel, but you know, again, life and I'm here in America. And my, my sister got diagnosed with stage three breast cancer in mm. 2014. And she was 10 years younger than me. She, at that time she was 38 years old and I was, you know, here I am, 10,000 miles away. What can I do? What can I do for my sister? I did not know how to be there for her. And I remember that weekend, me struggling with, what am I doing in America? My sister and my family are in such a sad place and, and, and agony, and what should I do? And I decided I'm going to do Facebook videos every mm-hmm. Saturday night after Havdalah. And my son, who back then was 11 years old, my youngest child, took my phone and he would, I would sit, I would sit literally right here where I sit now mm-hmm. and he will videotape me on the little iPhone and then we will upload it to Facebook. And I created this new Facebook page called Lev Moments back then. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, great. And I did it for an entire year with me posting it Saturday night. So for her, it was Sunday morning and she will get up in the morning and she will watch this and she will make people feel better and then I'll call her and we'll talk about it. And 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 then I saw that other people are starting to tune in to these videos, which are still on that page. So those so, were optimistic, just beautiful things that were coming from your heart, messages that messages, you were sharing exactly. that, would, that could help your sister. Exactly. Uh, so positive messages all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And... After a year of that, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do now with all these videos? And they became the basis of this book. And still, I just wrote them down, not thinking that it will be a book. I thought it would be a little, you know, folder, and I will keep it as a memory thing for my children to know what their mom did, right. and, and, and my grandchildren will see it, and all that kind of stuff. And then I had this idea. I said, Doris, maybe somebody else want to read it besides you. Why are you keeping those gifts to yourself and to your family? Maybe other people want to read that. And that was the reason or the beginning of my switch in my head that I need the world to be my classroom. Mm -hmm. That was, that's what happened because until at that time I was working as an education director in a conservative synagogue in Portland, Oregon. And in 2018, in, in February of 2018, I remember this day vividly. I was going to visit my sister in Israel. I was going to fly. My girlfriend comes by and gives me a book and says, Doris, read this book on the plane. And okay. I, didn't see, I didn't see the title of this book. I just put it in my backpack. The next day I go on the plane. I get the book out. I'm on the plane, the seat by the window. And the book is The Universe Has Your Back. <laughs> the name of the book. 
And I did not know Gabriel Bernstein before, and I'm reading it, and I'm literally sobbing. Mm. I'm thinking, Doris, she called it the universe. Mm. I call it God. Right. God has your back. What does your heart want to do? And when I landed in Israel 20-some hours later, I called my husband from the airport, and I said, honey, I'm leaving my job. And he's like, what? <laughs> Maybe we should talk about it some more. And I said, yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. But just so you know, this is the plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did. And it was absolutely miraculous. I left July 1st, 2018. And then in just about a month, six weeks later, my book was accepted in, with a publishing company. And six weeks I left not having a publishing company, not having a website, nothing, nothing. And again, by connecting, level number two relationship, mm-hmm. right? I'm connecting with people I don't know. I met somebody who is a published author. I reached out to her, being courageous, and I said, can we talk? And she said, of course. So she came over and we had dinner here at my house. And I asked her about publishing a book. And she said to me, Doris, I can publish, I can connect you with my publishing company. Mm-hmm. And I said, that is fabulous. That is fabulous. So I called them and literally within six weeks, I had my book published and my book accepted. And then it took a few months. It's, and, and, and I want to I get to this. I want to dive a little bit deeper because I think it's so important for people to hear because not only has the, the book didn't just stay as the book, the book has led Doris onto stage. The book has led Doris onto now a podcast. And when I talk about stage and we can get into this in a minute, I'm talking, talking to corporations with this message that essentially came from her Jewish upbringing and her Jewish knowledge. You were a Jewish educator. So backing backtrack a little bit here. I just want to want to dissect this a little bit for listeners. You obviously had it had in you this desire for a while that you knew your voice needed to you needed to serve in a bigger way you were doing fine you were serving the children the institution all of that but there was something in you that felt there's more here and that voice stories is very often very challenging for us to listen to and act upon there's so many fears there's so many other voices external voices maybe internal voices that we listen to that kind of hold us back and keep us in our comfort zone so I want to highlight this because this is such an important topic for women to understand that that there is a I mean and I'm not saying everybody has to become a motivational speaker I don't think that's the point the point is there's that voice inside how do we listen to that how do yeah, well, this is this is beautiful. I you are absolutely right. It takes courage. It takes That's courage. what it is. It's a courage. It's a courage. And to understand and you have to sit with yourself. Yeah. You have to sit in quiet with yourself and you say, is this where I think I need to be? Now, I could have continued being in the Jewish education world, in the synagogue, until I retire another mm-hmm. 10 years. I could have. But in my soul, yeah. in my gut, I had this feeling that this is not God's purpose for me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that to get to where I needed to go, I needed to muster courage. Right, right. But, but courage is something that we sometimes take on blind faith and hope that it will happen. We right. have to literally leap into this. You know, what does courage really mean, right? It comes from French, the word courage, uh, origin in French, which means cuir, which means the heart. Mm-hmm. But in Hebrew, courage is ometzlev, the adoption of the heart. Mm-hmm. So what did my heart tell me, right? For some people, there, you know, if they listen for all people, if they listen to it and really in tune in, mm-hmm. not listening to what other people say, right. but sit in the quiet of their own the quiet. heart, the quiet in their own heart and say, where do I want to see? And it took me, it didn't happen overnight. It right? I went to Israel in February, I left in May, but, but that idea of, is this 
my goal. That was for the last maybe two years before that. Mm-hmm. Saying, is that where I want to be? Mm-hmm. And I started to feel the antsiness feeling mm-hmm. that, that there's something else that needs to happen, that mm-hmm. the world needs to be my classroom, that, that while it is wonderful that the people who come into the synagogue walls meet me and are inspired by me and that I serve them, there are so many other people that don't come to my circle, right. to, my, to my where I am. And, and what about the people who are not Jewish? I remember saying to myself, I want to be or Lagoim. How can I be a light unto the nation when I am in a building? I need to be out. Mm-hmm. I need to explore other people. And that time, by the way, almost everybody that I knew was Jewish. Mm-hmm. I had Jewish education for 30 years. I did not know non-Jews unless they were parents of, my ch- of one child that went to a public school. Everybody else was Jewish. So I said, okay, Doris, you need to start seeing what's out there. And when I left, I said, okay, I'm going to join Toastmasters because I want to refine my speaking skills. Mm-hmm. I want to join different networking. And I went, I re- and I remember going to a conference. Literally, I did not know, I knew one person there. And I just said, I'm just going to go to the conference. It's a speaking conference. Let me see what I can learn. Mm -hmm. Not Jewish. And out of that conference, the founder of the Superwoman Summit met me there. And so it happened that during this conference, you had to put your name in a little basket. Mm -hmm. And one person's name was going to be drawn out to come on the stage for a 90-second thing Mm -hmm. on the stage. My name was pulled out. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So here I am on the stage, and I had to do this task of using humor in a 90-minute speech. 90-second. 90-second speech. And and I say in front of 220 people there, and I say, I don't think I'm funny. (laughs) I don't don't know. I've never been. I'm not. I'm like not a comedian. I'm not funny. (laughs) And, And the... And the woman who ran the conference, Danielle, she says, oh, for sure you're funny. I can feel that you can be funny. It doesn't mean that you have to be a comedian, but you can have humor in your speech. So I thought for a second. I was like, okay, what am I going to say? 90 seconds, right? I have to, to think humor. So I decided I'm going to talk about this whole Adam thing that I mentioned earlier to you. But I'm going to act out because he was naked and I was going to say, and this is a group of non-Jews. And I said, you remember Adam, you know, the guy, no clothes. And I was doing this face thing in my hand. And they, they were cracking up. They were cracking I was like, oh, oh, my, oh my God. So I came down of the stage. And Jessica Williams, who is the co-founder of the Superwoman Summit, she, she and I connected. And then we went to coffee. And I'm thinking I'm going to coffee just to give her my good book, just to connect. Right. Within 15 minutes of the coffee time, she says, would you like to be my keynote closing speaker on my summit? Oh, my gosh. I, I did not know she was talking to me. I was like, I was looking. Is she talking to somebody? Me? Is it me? Is it me? Yes. So sometimes life is like that. You, you, you do the courageous things right. and God makes sure everything else lines in place. Yes. So, so yes, 100%. So much here. I mean, the quiet to really listen to that inner voice, the taking those acts of courage and following the trail, you know, like God puts the sign. So follow the sign. Oh, you're invited to this. Okay, so I'm here. Oh, I have to speak on stage. Okay. And like, just follow the signs and you will it'll lead you there. And not only that, if we think about the fact that, again, going back to the circumstances in our lives, those years in Jewish education, my dear, come on, like they made who you are today on stage and your message. So again, it's not like when we're reinventing ourselves, we're really closing a door or, you know, we want to leave something behind. It's not this dramatic thing. Like, I don't want this for my life. It's I'm bringing all of it and serving in a slightly different way, but it's all of me, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything that we go through life is the step 
for the next piece in our life. Right. You know, right. it's not like we got to the top, not walking up the stairs. Right? Exactly. <laughs> it's, we don't end up up here without actually going. We up, have to right? walk the we steps, walk but up. we have to take the stairs. We, we can't to. just stay standing there looking up. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? It reminds me of the, of the, the Beta Mikdash, right? Uh -huh. How does it feel? It didn't have steps. It had a ramp. Ramp. Now, why did it have a ramp and not a step? Rabbis, I learned from rabbis, and it was a beautiful, beautiful teaching, that sometimes when there is a step, it scares people to take a step because it's a whole new level. Mm. But if you think of it as a ramp, then you do, you go slowly, but oh, you keep on going I like up. that. You right. Keep going up. So, so. Think of going, me speaking at the keynote speaker at the Superwoman Summit, and then and then invited in a weird turn of events to speak at the Standard Insurance <laughs> keynote speaker and and keynote speaker at the evening gala for women in financial services. I mean, <laughs> all of this is a ramp. You know, you just keep on going. You just keep on going, and you never know what one step leads you to the next step. But here is one that. I think a, a common thread mm -hmm. that that we need to always keep in mind, mm -hmm. and that's do it with kindness oh. as you walk up the ramp. As you walk up the ramp, do it with kindness. And again, if you divide kindness, kindness to yourself. Yeah, I was gonna yes. say, oh, brilliant. Go right? on. If, if you fail, if you things did not work as well as you planned. Self-compassion, kindness to yourself. It's okay. It's mm -hmm. okay. It didn't work out this way. Maybe this way will be better. Maybe that's the intention that I learn what not to do to learn what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and then kindness to other people. Exactly. Kindness to other people because sometimes you're going to face as you continue on your ramp wherever you're going, right? You know, and I'm not talking about only for entrepreneurial people, but whatever it is that right, we're going. Right. Because each and every one of us is on a ramp somewhere. Right. So as you go on the ramp, don't don't put aside or, or think that it's not important how you treat people, mm -hmm. kindness to other people. And in turn, kindness to other people will will pay you three times folds right. because it will be kindness to you. Right. And, and if nobody's watching, God is watching. Mm -hmm. So nobody's there. God is there. So it boils back to those four relationships. I love it. And I do want to highlight for everybody that when we're talking about Doris being on stage for these corporations, she's actually giving the, the audience these same messages that she's telling us here. So talk about, you know, like, I just want to emphasize and people to understand and this is her this is her background her jokes from her very Sephardic family her knowledge of the Hebrew language. I've seen you I've watched videos how you explain it. People love it. People love it because that's you. Mm hmm. That yeah. is and so, you. so talking about being authentic, right? Never pretend to be what you're not. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then and then strengthen your strong things, right? Strengthens your strength. Right. And 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 not worry about your weaknesses right. because we all are weak at some things, right? right. Decide what are your strengths. Mm -hmm. you know, what are the things that make you good at what you do? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then and then get those better. Right. Don't right. worry about being good in everything. Right. Because we can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. Doris, this has been such a fabulous conversation. I could literally go on forever. But what I want to do now is coronate you with my wonderful JLP fill in the blanks. And I'm pretty sure you're a podcast listener. So you're familiar yes. with these. Yes. You know, I'm going to give you a few open ended sentences and don't overthink it. Um, okay. We're going for it. Okay. I'm okay. Doris Horenstein and I feel most spiritual when? I feel most spiritual during the high holidays, uh, Neila, watching everybody standing, you know, fa ending the fast, everybody together as a as a kahila, mm -hmm. even walking up to the ark to touch and kiss before it's closed. Mm, beautiful. My favorite mitzvah or one I connect with the most is lighting Shabbat candles. Mm, yeah, I, I I have this beautiful tradition where I after I light and my eyes are still closed, I. I have a moving picture of all my family members who wow. are not with who are not with me. So then, you know, so that is my my inner bracha to myself, wishing them Shabbat Shalom, and like literally seeing everybody. And, and living in America, I have a lot of people that I don't see. So the moving the moving picture it's a video of pictures. That's my yeah. Wow. 
Wow. It's it's so so powerful. So powerful. And I think for all of us, I'm glad you gave it to us because the truth is when we're doing these, you know, these mitzvot, whether it be the Shabbat candles, the challah, the mikvah, these things that connect us to our ancestors as women, all the women in our family, generations, all the way back to Sarah. it, It really, there is so much about these actions that has to do with that another link in the chain. Um, so thanks for that visual. That's beautiful. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is eating Sukkot in Israel mm. and having this beautiful sukkah with all of the glittery cards from Rosh Hashanah <laughs> taped over the sukkah. How fun. And, you know, yeah, th- these are just like, yeah, full of glitter. Everything is glittery. I know. Sukkot <laughs> has had to be the funnest what? holiday for the kids <laughs> and in israel it's nice weather yeah. and and you know here i have not seen so much of the glittery cards do you know those glittery cards yeah do you know what i'm talking about <laughs> i do you know those glittery cards you know rosh hashanah cards anyway it's fine yeah and we used to do we used to do like sleepover with all the cousins oh my gosh oh, yeah. how oh, yeah. fun Super, people with sleeping bags with mattresses oh amazing oh my gosh that's amazing all right something i wish i had learned about judaism growing up is wow there's so many things as i grew up that i did not know mm-hmm. uh, i wish i knew um to see this is this is a hard this is a i stop. was i was gonna think that this is a hard one for you because you this come from such one. a rich yeah. background yeah you know maybe maybe is like i wish i knew a more definite answer, because this is what the non-Jewish crowd asks me, is a definite answer. What does Judaism think about the afterlife? Mm. And I always go in and out to all of the rabbis, and I wish we had a little bit more, you know, encompassing answer. Mm -hmm. Because that, for them, because, you know, non-Christian, they deal a lot with the afterlife. Right. That, because it's in Christianity, it's in their theology, it's like, you know, what is after. For us Jewish people, it's what's here and what's now and the mitzvot. So maybe I need to do more oh, studying. Oh, so I think that. this is your sign that this is something to focus on. Hmm. Yeah. I like oh, it. I like oh, it. Okay, so we, you go explore this and then come teach it to me. Okay, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is your sign that you got to delve deeply into this. If people are asking that there's a need, there's a need right there. All right, when I give tzedakah charity, I'd like to give to Jewish Israeli causes, exclamation mm-hmm. mark. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Because I'll tell you, I mean, while I value homeless, and I will give to homeless and hunger and all this, if Jews don't give to Jewish causes, why would non-Jews give to Jewish causes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And statistically speaking, most of the Jewish causes are being funded by Jewish people. Mm-hmm. So, so as an educator, as somebody whose husband works at the Jewish Federation of Portland, oh, wow. this to me is the absolute number one. I will, yeah. Very nice. Finally, I'm Doris Horenstein, and today I'm most grateful for spending this hour with you. Oh, thank you. I'm also grateful for that. (laughs) Absolutely. It's my highlight. Doris, this has been so great. Tell listeners where we can find you. I know we have a podcast. We have so much. Where can we be in touch, hear more from you? Thank you so much for having me. So you can find me on Moments of the Heart podcast. I am on eight different platforms. Moments of the Heart, Facebook, mm-hmm. Doris Horenstein. I have Jewish Wisdom from the Heart, which is a Facebook open group. Oh. And once a week, I post a video, I post a question, I po- post a thought. Of course, there is Moments of the Heart Facebook group. Mm-hmm. I mean, Facebook open page. page. I mean, open page, okay. yeah. You can just like it. And sometimes I also post in there. I'm on LinkedIn. Of course, my website, DorisHornstein.com. People to see all videos that, um, that I'm speaking in different places and podcast guests. And of course, I will post this there. And I know um, you have, do you have a coaching program also that you've been yes. working on, right? Yes, as a matter Amazing. of fact, I have my, yeah, I have my masterclass um, in just a couple of days, but uh, I don't know when this is going to be posted. But yeah, I have my masterclass about the six anchoring keys to positive relationship, wow. and it is it's a mastermind. It's a masterclass that is free, and then the mastermind is um, not very expensive. And there's so much so much gifts that I give. Amazing. Like, 
beautiful, beautiful. So we yeah. can find out about that also on your website, Doris Hornstein. On my website, dorishornstein.com. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. And then reach out to me, Doris at Dorishornstein.com or easy just Doris Hornstein at Gmail. So easy. Thank you, Doris. Thank you for your light, for everything that you're doing, for all your teachings. Keep it up. The world is thirsty for this and we're just happy and proud that you're doing it thank you and i love you i think you're doing such absolutely you know shlichut you're absolutely doing a shlichut you're a messenger of goodness and light and everything and and i wish you all the chizuk all the strength that 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 is to the things that coming ahead whatever amen. that is amen thank you so so much Thanks to Doris Hornstein for stopping by. You can find her at DorisHornstein.com and her book, Moments of the Heart, on Amazon. Thanks for being here. I certainly know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the reviews. And if you enjoyed this episode, do head over to iTunes and leave a review and rating. As you know, that is the best way for iTunes to keep the show front and center and recommend it to other Jewish women who are looking for content that might enhance their lives. I hope everybody's having a healthy and safe start to your summer. Wear those masks, wash those hands, stay at home as much as you can, and let's stay healthy. See you here next week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.